see the colon, you say what's after the colon. Let's try it again. Okay. Just pretend that you can't see that. Ready? Okay. One, one, two, three. Colon. This is Laura. No, you don't say colon. Why did you, why did you say a punctuation mark? You just skip, just pretend you can't see any of that. Just to get like, just pretend it starts on the word this. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. This is Laura and Corey. Why aren't you talking? You told me to pretend I can't see anything. No, until we get to this. Okay, so I'm going to say three, two, one, then we start on this. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Do you want to count off? No, I'm scared. Okay, three, two, one. This, this is, is Laura, Laura and Corey from, from the new hit show, Halliston. And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is balls. I think you mean tits. And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is tits. Good job. You're so smart. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin an mass invasion. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take it to be guilty of witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. If you're listening to us live in Auckland, New Zealand, good morning, Auckland, and welcome to TalkCast 235, another systematic invasion of your mind and soul about all things science fiction-y. Deep in Area 51, on the sub-level 151 gluten-free puppy pasta palace, making intergalactic pet treats since 2021, I'm the man without a name known only as... The Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight are some of our usual suspects. In the review, Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Countess of Shiny Stuff, Vice Princess of Opinions, our own girl genius, Kriana. Well, that's better than last week when you were grinding up puppies and making the pasta out of them. Well, yeah, but I had to. The ASPCA sent me a... a never mind. Did they send From- Sarah McLaughlin again? <laughs> I, I just cannot listen to her sing one more time while puppies cry. It's just not happening. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our ginger ingenue making everybody makes fun of her false British accent because she really hasn't got one. We love her anyway. It's the dead redhead. I most certainly do have a British accent. Thank you very much. And by the way, it's Tom Savini Day. It's Tom Savini Day for any apparent reason. <laughs> That's because he's apparently <laughs> hanging out with people that I know right now. So it's Tom Savini Day. Okay, it can be Tom Savini Day. Live from the Origins Game Fair, authors of Michael J. Stackpole and Ron Garner, who have graciously pulled their way out of a room party to come and talk to us for an hour. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, it's great. They actually don't mean that. Yeah, this because is much better be than a junk drunken crazy but, room party, you know. No, no, actually, actually, we're just we were just a second ago looking at our watches and wondering how long it would take us to get back to the room party. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we at, are at this really point, Ron. Yeah. yeah at this point, it's about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Hey, listen, guys, I'm going to step out for a second. I'll be right back. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Or at some point, just bring some other people from the party in. You know, that'll work, too. Totally. (laughs) We're we're going to be talking. (laughs) We're going to be talking to Michael and Ron about Silence in the Library's newest anthology, Heroes and about some of the other projects going on with the Silence in the Library Publishing. And uh, Michael and Ron are going to uh, talk about whatever else they feel like talking about as we go into uh, what we normally do at this point. But first, the news. I love that. (laughs) 
<laughs> it makes me feel the fishes is all hell. Because you but, needed that more in your life. I know, I absolutely did. So what's going on this week uh, in uh, science fiction? Harrison Ford was rushed to the hospital moments ago. Go ahead, Breaking Priyanna. news. I feel like we need another thing for breaking news. Uh-oh. Because he broke his ankle. What a bump bump. Because he's Which means old. that the new Star Wars movie will be limping along. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, please do something better. Go ahead, Griana. Go ahead and your foot. <laughs> Well, the new be- Star Wars movie will be limping along. <laughs> well, that's better than being shot in the head by J.J. Abrams. Oh, and put it down like a lame pony. Oh. Uh, Anyhow, I'll, doesn't I'll even get sent point. to the glue factory. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, poor guy. The only thing worse than this could be uh, River Phoenix coming in as his young protege, but he's dead, isn't he? River Phoenix. <laughs> well, yeah, of course he's dead. That was in bad taste. Thank you. <laughs> Says me. Do you mean the other kid? <laughs> yes. You. Do you mean he Shia was- LaBeouf? <laughs> Aren't they the same person? Seriously? <laughs> no. Oh boy, no. <laughs> oh my God, Shia LaBeouf is like the worst person in the world. He, like, plagiarized a whole bunch of stuff, and then nobody liked him anymore, yeah. Although there was that, like, YouTube video, and if Zombrarian were here, and she just texted me because she could hear me from the other room, there's there's a YouTube video somewhere about him being a cannibal. Like, a song about him being an actual Joaquin cannibal. Phoenix? What? Joaquin Phoenix? Oh, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Shia LaBeouf. What is it, Joaquin Phoenix? We said River Phoenix, and then... I, we've, we've gone nowhere <laughs> on this. I'm like, oh, Joaquin Phoenix, and nobody ever answered. So what just like, happened? Oh. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, find find the cannibal video. It's wicked funny. <laughs> okay. I guess I've gone silent. We're scaring them, and I think with good reason at this point. Perhaps. At least we're not so the about... cannibals that you know of. Well, no. Well, no, I understand Shayla Moss is a, is a wonderful uh, performance artist. That's what he's claiming now, sure. <laughs> he plagiarized it. His one-man show, he plagiarized? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Pretty exactly. much. Yeah. <laughs> No, he plagiarized some it's, art or something I read somewhere, uh, like, a year ago. He plagiarized his comic book. He plagiarized the comic oh, book. Oh, yeah, that was it. Uh, so did you, guys, did you guys see the article about his, uh, the, 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 the uh, reporter who went to his one-man show? No. No. So he had this one-man show, which basically was, he was sitting in a room with a, with a paper bag over his head. Um, and you would walk into the room... And you could ask him any questions that you wanted to ask him. And the, uh, the, the reporter asked him a series of questions. And at some point, he just stopped answering. And the reporter was like, well, what's going on? And he was just sitting there. So he lifted the bag off of his head, and he was, he was, he was crying. And the reporter was just like, at that point, I left. That <laughs> 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 seems like the thing to do, you know. Evidently, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's just, just. Well, I kind of feel bad making fun of him. He's just a sad human being, apparently. Evidently, yeah. Yeah, he's got a he's got an interesting uh, he's got an interesting road ahead of him. Yeah. And some interesting <laughs> drugs to be in rehab for, probably. Hey. <laughs> 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 so the amphetamines the... talking. No, don't mind me. Careful. Hmm. Let's let the Wayback Machine for August of 2012 and uh, TalkCast 148. Oh, Jesus. Two years ago, we interviewed Randall Loeb, Mark Hussey, and Isaac Elliott Fisher about an independent film that they were just starting to make, which they called 
the definitive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles documentary, Turtle Power. This essentially was three guys freaking obsessed with Eastman and Laird. And it, it was, it, I sat and I listened to it a little bit tonight. Uh, Do you think they have restraining orders against them? Just kidding. <laughs> God, I'm don't. like seriously thinking about it. Like, they were a but, little. They were, yeah. And they were very nice guests. Two years later, the movie is going to be released. So the movie is actually being released Not on starring D- Shia LaBeouf. And video on demand on August 12th. And, you know, uh, I sat back and I listened to the the uh, interview. And it was a long time. It was two years ago. And, and uh, they were really, really three uber-obsessed guys with Ninja Turtles. And then I looked at the uh, trailer for it. And I got to tell you, it kind of looks cool. It it's it's very well done from a technical standpoint, or at least the trailer is, and uh, it looks like fun. So you know, I'm giving this a. We had him on the show. Let's give him a shot. Uh, I'm going to have a link out to the trailer for you guys to look at, and uh, you know, it's it's kind I of mean, interesting. I feel like I feel like we pretty much give everyone we have on the show a shot, except for that one cat who wrote a blog. <laughs> oh, that that one, we're just like. No. Okay. <laughs> one guy on who wrote that really horrible book that made no sense. We never had that guy on, did we? No, we to- we told him he couldn't come on. We we had the one guy on who who had the thing with the fingernails that creeped me out, and I couldn't get past the first page. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> I hear yeah. the rest of the book was good, but I'm never gonna read it. <laughs> the fi- fingernails, Ugh, yucky. <laughs> Nice. So everybody except for that guy and Neil Gaiman is, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, you know, he was a nice guy. Get her started, for the love of God, don't get her started. <laughs> no, it's Neil Gaiman and George R.R. R. Martin. They're dead to me. Oh, you forgot. It's George R.R. R. R. I know. Well, it's not talking like a pirate day. I feel like you got to save it so it's special. <laughs> oh. So some big Doctor Who announcements this week. Uh, they announced the uh, official start of the new season with Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman. And they also announced a world tour. What? Dear Peter a Capaldi's world... eyes, stop being so piercing. <laughs> the international tour will start on August 7th in Cardiff. And I think we know somebody in Cardiff, so I think we want to have that person on to talk I, about I, this I was event. just thinking, like, who do I have to marry, fuck, or kill to get tickets to this? Yeah, no kidding. Well, <laughs> well but then where's two, the fun in that? <laughs> for two weeks, beginning on August 7th, the tour will transition from Cardiff to London, Sydney, Seoul, New York City, Mexico City, and end in Rio de Janeiro. Now, Kriana, yes. for your information, yes. the TARDIS will be landing in New York City on August 14th. So This August? This August. Okay, one more time. Who do I have to marry, fuck, or kill to get tickets <laughs> to this? Um, well, I think you... You need to talk to Mr. Capaldi or Ms. Coleman and find out. So let's work on getting yep, them I'm on up the for show. any of those for either of them. <laughs> <laughs> Their preference. <laughs> Maybe not kill, no. She's too cute and he's too amusing. So sometime after August 21st, the first episode of season eight will begin. Sweet. Can't wait. Excited. And? I wish I could tell you anything more than that. Of course you can. Whatever. I could make it up. The Beebs is more secretive than Apple. Yeah, no kidding. Especially lately. Although, I will have to say... No, I can't say. 
They've been. You can't say you have to say it and then not say it. Nope. Nope. Can't say. So Capaldi is referring to this. Say that again, please. I said clearly you did not have to say. Hmm. No, she clearly doesn't have to, but she will eventually. Just give her enough rope to hang herself with and she'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, Capaldi is referring to this two weeks of of press as heading for the planet of the fans. What, and, the planet of the fans? Yeah. Because there there are huge fan events planned at every venue. Wait, do, do you think uh, Capaldi and Ferguson will be in the same room while he's in New York? Is, is that, would Fer- be, that would be really awesome, don't you think? Um, yes. <laughs> I, I would have to, like, bring my um, Craigie Who and Dr. Timey Pants shirt and, and have them sign each of my boobs or something. Oh. Well, and then, then you could also go walking with a Dalek and Jeff Peterson, which would be even cooler, I think. To each their own? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could have Jeff Peterson sign my boobs. Uh, well, yeah, it'd just be a shaky hand waving up and down. But <laughs> I know. I was thinking, like, well, maybe maybe Grant Imahara would show up. You never know with these you, things. You, you do know. never know, actually. <sighs> there was the the big uh, leak happened this week, uh, and that was by Sarah Paulson, who actually tweeted out the first picture of her character in American Horror Story Freak Show. I'm pretty and excited under- for this one. I'm not going to lie. I like the last one, except for the end. The last the la- last episode did, it, it lacked. Yeah, it was just sort of like, hey, guess what? That. It's a happy ending, and you're like, but, but. This but. is horror story. There shouldn't be a happy ending there. But. So the picture that, that Sarah Paulson leaked was of her character, which is a two-headed woman so she will be playing betty and dot she plays both heads oh i was okay wow <laughs> okay okay i'm excited uh, that picture that picture is bizarre i love that picture so. are we being told that this is the last year of american horror story well, I well, think it was it was the last year that uh, what's her face was going to be on. So, right. Um, oh, that's right. Crap, I can't remember her name right now. King Kong, um, the old one. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. Wow. Oh, but she's a great actress. Are you are you doing new drugs tonight? Is that what no. it is? Well, I have some mead. Ah, so you've been drinking with the old drugs. Same difference. Yes. Well, technically, I just started. Oh, God, what's her name? Hold on. Give me a second. Cam is probably it's shouting it in the, in the chat. Um, who, who, who in the chat room knows who it is? Um, nope, Jessica Cam. Lang. Jessica Lang. That's right. Jessica Lang is the answer. I would say, even though she's really old, I'd still hit that. <laughs> she's an extremely attractive woman. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you wonder Good why J.J. Abrams will never be on the show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, send your letters, too. I didn't say one mean thing. Kriana at SciFiSaturdayNight.com <laughs> If you'd hit... Jessica Lang. No. No. <laughs> and by so, that, just to clarify, I mean have sex with, not actually hit. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad. You, you... I, I felt the need to clarify that. Yeah. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Wait, I'm kidding. Of course I could. So, Kriana, now, now I'm going to force you to do something serious. Oh. What? And talk, talk about... Uh, a project that you're uh, involved in called the uh, 2012 Inkwell Awards because you... The 2012 Inkwell Awards? 
Well, yeah, that's how long you've been involved with them for two years. <laughs> okay. So what's this different? This year is actually year? going to be the 2014 Inkwell Awards. I don't know if you knew that, but that's that whole time thing we were talking about before where it just keeps going. Oh, shit. Is it that time thing again? <laughs> yeah, and um, I forgot You know, I spent some time in Denver this week. Maybe that had something to do with it. Anyway, go on. I hear there's lots of things to do there if you're dead. Mm-hmm. That was a good movie. Movie? Whatever. Yeah. Who knows that? Yes, dear. Yeah. It's Warren Zevo. It wasn't a movie. Old people know that. Old people. <laughs> God. Um, so the 2014 Awards. Right. So, no, oh, geez, you're going to make me say this name, and I don't think I can. The name is Senkevich. Okay. Thank you, Dead Redhead. Bill Senkevich is the guest of honor this year. And among other people who will be showing up, um, we also have Steve Saffel, Ron Garney. Dexter Vines. Dexter! Yep, he's very cool. A couple of the favorite Ms. Inkwell models will be appearing. Ms. Anna White and Laura Bale. I hope I said that one right. And as usual, any proceeds will go to continuing operations and philanthropic programs. And this year, the Inkwell Awards will be at Heroes Con which is oh, yes. June 20th through 22nd in Charlotte, North Carolina. Cool. They're, they're all over the place, doing doing tons of stuff. Indeed. indeed that that Bob Allman, he does not sit still. He does not. No. <laughs> I think he would literally explode with energy if he did. So, Bob, thank you, and we're looking forward to hearing about the results. They will be held June 20th through 22nd at HeroCon in Charlotte. Uh, thank you for all that you do, and thanks for the Inkwell Awards. We're looking forward to it. So, what else? So, yeah. there's this show called Falling Skies, and I've never seen it, but apparently season four is starting. So, what is this all about? No, you've seen Falling Skies because our I haven't. friend of the show, Doug Jones, is in it. That's right. I don't, I don't think I've seen Falling Skies. Doug Although Jones that's the one that he sings in, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't think I've ever actually seen it. I saw The Neighbors. Which was also a funny show. That, he was in. <laughs> that, that, was, that was interesting. He was that's very good. good yes, he was good. He, he was very me. good, and I'll end it at that. Um, <clears throat> so what's this Falling Skies thing all about? Because I honestly haven't seen it. Uh, Falling Skies has is is uh, stars Noah Wiley, and when it first came out, I just went really the librarian. <laughs> I was like, gonna say the librarian <laughs> himself. Hooray. Hey, hey, excuse me, that's that's blockbuster action movie, The Librarian. Although I'd like to point out that technically he is an archivist for the Zombrarians, since she is not with us tonight. Yes, that would be his job, not actually a librarian. Hey, I live with a librarian. I have to make these distinctions. Hey, and wait, I've let me correct that. that. I'm marrying a librarian. I have to yes, make these distinctions. Yes, we heard that. We heard that. Are you sure? Did you see my I, ring? It's really totally, shiny. I see. It's very shiny. <laughs> Will not stop me with um, Peter Capaldi. <laughs> it makes well, no or difference. Jessica Lang, evidently. <laughs> or Jessica, she, she'd be into that. It's all good. No, Falling Skies, its first season was kind of uh, uh, inconsistent, I think is a nice way to put it. That's a very well, what, nice What's way the premise of the show? premise of the show is the aliens come down, take it over, and... Uh, what kind of aliens? Are they, like, tentacly aliens or aliens that invade your brain? Or yes. Oh, that all, all of the above. Oh, all of the above. Whoa. And uh, the, they change the rules uh, all the time in the show. The first season was very inconsistent in that living in the Boston area, when and that's where the first enclave was. Although uh, you do not have a Boston accent, apparently, on that show. You can't <laughs> actually have a Boston accent, or even it's a New England. It's hard to do if you don't live here. But it's also difficult to go south to Revere from Boston. 
yet they did it. Did they really? Yeah, they did. Uh, That's adorable. And by adorable, I mean geographically impossible. Exactly. So when they got picked up for a second season because it was TNT, they made some substantive changes in it. Substantive changes even? Substantive changes, even better. And then it began to get incrementally better and better with each episode in season two. Season three was actually quite good. And Doug Jones actually joined the show in season three. Ah, I'm not saying this because it was Doug, but the writing became crisp and and precise. And uh, the plot lines actually followed through and made sense. So what you're saying is I have to actually give it a season and a half before I pass judgment. You have to get halfway through season two easily. Okay, so speaking Uh, of shows that I've recently marathoned and passed judgment on, I'm going off book here, guys. But... Holy crap, the show has a new season starting up really, really soon. Defiance. Oh, you know what? I'm freaking muting now. (laughs) That was a really cool show. Come on. That was such a cool show. As hell. That was an... Okay, okay, you can't on one side of your mouth, like... be pissed off that Siffy is making Sharknado and friggin' WWE, and then when they go and do something that's, like, adventurous, and yeah, they stole plot lines from every other sci-fi show ever, You mean, like, when they basically. do something, like, adventurous, like Warehouse 13, and then kill it? Yeah. Right. Uh, right. You know what? You I know what, though? You know, whoa, 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 whoa. I understand things have to have an end, and sometimes that's painful for people when they feel like it's before it's time. But Warehouse 13 has had a good run. Yes, it did. And it did it's not six I... seasons in a movie, but it was really close. It did end well. Too. And it's not like Eureka, which for the last few seasons was just utterly unwatchable. <laughs> I mean, it started out a really good show, and they just drove that formulaic plot into the ground. Because yeah. they could not figure out what the heck else to do with it. And then they tried to do that whole time travel thing, and it just bit them in the and ass. And that didn't work. And then the alternate reality, and that didn't work. No, it didn't. So I, I think in order to avoid um, a disaster of the caliber of Eureka, they decided to gracefully end Warehouse 13. I say because I haven't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> it was a good ending. Really. All right, all right. I hope so. Um, I can't. I can't wait to say see. Uh, What's her face who plays Claudia in whatever she does next? Um, I agree. I agree. Ah, Alison Scagliotti. That's right. She's adorable. Um, but but I I would appreciate more a graceful ending than having it go ten seasons, only six of which were good. So tell me what it is about Defiance that you think is so wonderful. Um. Well. Everything, the world. No, the the world building. Um, they leave just enough to your imagination, and they show you just enough. It, it's exactly the right balance to make it feel like a big world, but they don't have to build that much. If that makes sense. Explain to the audience the basic premise of the show. If I, you, I, you know, I'm almost not sure I know it. Like the basic premise of the show isn't isn't ever really thoroughly laid out there there's some sort of dying system that has a bunch of different species in it and they come to earth and they they want to colonize earth ostensibly because their their system is dead and um obviously we're like no and the so there's a war and then (laughs) obviously and then, um, at, at some point, um, they decide they decide that the killing is senseless and they need to try to coexist because now they've destroyed all the ships that could have let the aliens go away anyway. And, and occasionally, now, there are all of them, like, living together in different places, which causes friction, much in the same way that different cultures living here in America cause friction. So it's an allegory. I don't know if it was intended to be, but I feel like it could certainly be taken that way. 
and you like it. I think you're sure. giving it too much. It, it, just, it doesn't. It, well, it doesn't often hit you over the head with preachiness. Some. I mean, it, it varies honestly from episode to episode. Some episodes are just like shoot 'em up, fun, blow up the bad guys. Other and a lot of them are preachy, pedantic. Why can't we all just Rodney King this? Some of them are. Well, some of them are. Like, that's obviously their goal. But there are different levels of things going on. And I think if all you're getting out of it is, is preachy and pedantic, you're not um, watching it on a high enough level. Ted Redhead, join the conversation here. I watched the first one, and I missed DVRing the second one, and X looked at me and said, are you upset that you missed it? And I said, well, not exactly, and that was kind of the end of it. Guess, I mean, I, Ron, pushed through Mike, the first... do, you, do you have an opinion on Defiance? Have you seen it? I, I have not seen Defiance, to be honest with you. I, I saw... The, a trailer for it or you know an ad for it and there was nothing about it that told me I wanted to watch it yeah I, I think I watched the first 10 minutes in a sneak peek up uh, iTunes and said yeah nothing there that's gonna drag me into buying the series so see I wouldn't buy it but I would watch it on Netflix <laughs> <laughs> well one way or the other you're paying for it and I just wasn't well, by watch, watch it on Netflix is in air quotes. Why don't we put it that way? <laughs> I look, I look at, I look at wasted time as, as wasted money. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think it was wasted. I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty interesting series. I liked their aliens as they were. Um, I think they they have a lot to to explain still. Um, the ending think, of the season was 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 a decent cliffhanger. Um, yeah, think, I'm pretty happy with it overall. Me, uh, I think in in the in watching the ten minute intro episode, so the first <laughs> ten minutes of the of the of the pilot, the main character just didn't didn't lock me in. Mm. You know, there wasn't enough there to lock me in to say, okay, I really care about this guy, and you know, I care about this other character that rolled through. Um, and, and hence, I wasn't really invested enough to continue watching. Yeah, you know, that's something that, that's something that, that, uh, that I, authors particularly, I think, are yeah. particularly tuned into because if you don't, if you don't hook a reader in the first few pages of a book, if you don't get them bought into the stories, the character, bought into something in the first few pages of the book, then, uh, then you're done. Um, and so authors, authors are really sensitive to that, I think. And, and I have, I have found that, that, that since I started writing, I tend to, I tend to, uh, I tend to give things a lot less chance maybe than I might have before. Well, I try to give it at least a whole episode unless it's like so bad. I can't even watch a whole episode. It's just like I started watching Salem the other day. Oh, good lord. I, yeah. I mean, it's trashy as hell, but I watch True Blood. Who, who am I to judge? Salem is my new guilty pleasure. I mean, like... so horrible, but I can't, it's like a train wreck. I just want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I tried. I can't do it. But I can't. Also, on the other hand, I What's can't wait for True from, Blood. What's his face from Fringe is in it, though? Yeah, I know. He's actually very good. In Salem, and and as long as you don't, and sometimes it's hard because you're like, oh my god, I could go to this place. It's like right up the street for me. Oh, why are they doing this? <laughs> but <laughs> like seriously, like Salem is like two towns over from me. Um, I I've been to that graveyard, guys. Come on, it it, it doesn't. That wasn't what it looked like then. And those names. Yeah. You know? Like and, and if you just it's it's like Dracula, which unfortunately yep. got canceled. Like, if you ignore the fact that it's Dracula, and you don't expect it to have any relation to the source material, and just take it for, for the story that it is. Yeah, it's, like it's, Sleepy it's Hollow. Exactly, like, exactly yeah. like Sleepy Hollow, exactly like Dracula. You just gotta, like, divorce it from the title, and the place, and the names. You have to admit that Tichita's pretty high. Oh my god, yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> So, Kriana, that, that was an easy admission. 
Priyana, you wanted to bring up one last thing before we talk to the guests about their books. Well, and... now I feel weird talking about reading Rainbow after talking about <laughs> sleeping with all these people. I feel. <laughs> I don't know. LeVar Burton is judging me. <laughs> Maybe that's just the mead talking. I don't know. That could be. It, it's highly probable. Um, anyway, Reading Rainbow has reached $3.71 million. They got $10,000. Well, just, just from the last time I looked at this page in about... 20 minutes. Well, 40 minutes ago. That's nice money if you can get it. Yeah, you know, their goal was only a million, but now they've made almost four. Damn you, you charismatic bastard. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they are they are fantastic. Their project is fantastic. Please give them your money so that children can enjoy reading the rainbow like I did. Shut up and give them your money. Exactly. That's, that, that's what I said. I saw this. I, I didn't even watch the video. I didn't care anything about reading any of the rewards of the project. I saw LeVar Burton's face and the Reading Rainbow logo. I was like, shut up and take my money. They just made another well, grand. You know, <laughs> and the thing is, if they, hit, if they hit $5 million on that project, then they're going to be able to, uh, they're going to be able to, Get that, get the show into something like seven thousand extra classrooms at absolutely no cost. So that's and, and that's in schools that couldn't normally afford that program. Exactly. So that's right. It's not just a cool project. It's not just something that you know you don't just get cool stuff from it. it it's actually doing something that's going to make a difference. And you know those projects are pretty rare. I think. I, I was thinking. I was. I was actually considering because. So Brian and I combined our pledges at the $100 level. I was actually looking this over, and now there's an Adopt-A-Classroom at the 375 level. And I'm thinking, I spent more money on stupider shit than this. We all have. <laughs> I, I could adopt a classroom if there was a classroom that I liked enough. So if anyone has suggestions for a classroom that could get some use out of this that I could sponsor, I, I'm willing to hear them, honestly. And you have 19 days to send your email to Priyana at sci-fi Saturday night.com. I'm going to get the weirdest emails after this show. <laughs> so I, I, I actually actually did sponsor a, a classroom because I, I thought that that was uh, thought that was a really good level to go in. I thought that the stuff that you got at that level, I mean, granted there were a limited number of those, but I thought that the things that that classroom would get, a personally recorded message, uh, and 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 the resources to be able to do that, I just thought it was a great thing, you know. So, so that that's where I went in. So I, I I agree. If you want to sponsor a classroom, I think it's a great idea. I I mean, like I said, I mean, if you have disposable income of of any amount, like if you're like me, I I'm impulsive. Everyone who knows me knows that. And knows that I have spent <clears throat> way more money on. Way at Boston Comic Con last year. <laughs> oh God, I don't even know how much money I spent at that show. I do, but I got some really oh, awesome yeah. keys. Mm-hmm. So listen, I spent fifty dollars on Kickstarter on a pen because it was held together by magnets. Right? That sounds so, awesome. Right, right. So I, I felt oh, like you just spent a hundred dollars on your Zulu action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, I, I love the quote here. They have cycling quotes. The mental floss quote is the best one. It's like, we can do this, Internet. And yes, yes, we can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If ever a project deserved to, yeah. to, to make as much money as you possibly can, that's the one. And, yep. and they're hitting us at the right age. Like, I was a little kid when Reading Rainbow came out. Like... And I and I'm just now the age to to really have some disposable income. So I feel like, not that Levar Burton is devious, but he may have planned this. <laughs> I don't know. I have no proof. And if he did, I salute him. And especially the video. The video is honestly priceless. It really is. So like like. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was that they canceled, LeVar Burton was like, so listen, guys, we're going to cancel the show. And someday, someday, there's going to be this thing called crowdfunding. <laughs> we are going to... 
blow this thing out of the water. No, I, I think he would, okay, we went on the air. When did they go on the air, anyway? Like, 1980? No, 1990. It was 26 years before I got news. 26, 26 years? years? Damn. You're getting old, yeah. I am. Yeah, it was about 1980. Oh, I was so, so like 1983, because I think they said they were canceled in 2009. So they, they started the year before I was born, and I actually didn't even know they got canceled, honestly. That was news to me. I knew that they had a good iPad app that came out. Um, but, like, can you think of any, any better cause to support than giving books to kids? Yeah. Um, no, that's other it. than like giving food to kids, I, and even then, I mean, if they're stupid, let them starve, honestly. Thank <laughs> <I> you, Korea. <laughs> Give them a book, see if they're smart. If they're smart, they'll like it, then feed them. You know. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. You are. You are. <laughs> Which is why I'm not you know. shutting you off. It's like the old Sam Kennison book from the uh, Uh, skit from the 80s, right? Where he's he's talking about watching uh, Sally Struthers on TV with the Starving starving people kids in in Ethiopia. Oh, my God. What did you expect? Yeah. You live in a desert! <laughs> Move out of the desert! <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like, yeah, we shouldn't be sitting on food. We should be sitting on moving trucks. <laughs> You know what I would really like to see and that I wish wish they had on here? You can adopt a classroom. You can adopt a school. I wish you could adopt a library. Mm. Well, the thing is, you get them into classrooms, so that's Well, yeah, that's what but it's he focused also made on. mention of libraries if you, if you watched his video for after they hit, like, two million in two days. Right. I mean, libraries are hurting for funding just as much, if not more, than some classrooms. And they they get shafted digitally every which way because publishers are assholes. No offense, publishing guest. Um, <laughs> Many publishers. sure. Not all. Well, right, but Some, I mean, some publishers are not 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 certainly not silent we'll we'll in the go library. with large publishers. How about that? Large and and. Like conglomerational, is that even a word? Conglomerational? <laughs> I don't think. No. I don't think it Not is. even I think close. I just made up a word. I just Um, made it up. yeah. Woo. So yeah, I would. I would like to. I would like to adopt a library and and bring it to children who, for some reason, wouldn't get it in school. Maybe maybe these kids have a school that doesn't have funding issues and just choose not to have Reading Rainbow. You don't know. I'm going to give them Reading Rainbow. Everyone deserves it. Getting to our guests, I'm because going to do it's that for time next time to too. do Sure, that now. sure. Reading Rainbow. Read, everyone. And once you've read, there are places to go and books to read and silence of the library publishing, which I was going I to found say, out are, about. are you really going with Dr. Seuss right now? Because yikes. Yes, because yikes. <clears throat> Because I was going to guys say, are. but don't take my word for it. Actually, take my word for it. Just frickin' read. <laughs> I first found out about Silence in the Library Publishing again on Kickstarter and was kind of amazed at, at the way things work for them. And through that, I got to meet Ron Garner. Ron, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks. I, I really appreciate you guys having me back. Well, if we didn't like you, we wouldn't have bothered, Uh, so. well. It's the truth. It's why J.J. Abrams is the nominee. Yeah, He <laughs> will told never the story. be on. Clear as a bell. And joining us tonight from uh, Origins Game Fair is author Michael Stackpole. Michael, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, we're really happy to have you guys here and, and pulled you literally out of a, a party to come and talk to us uh, about the newest anthology heroes ron it's all yours uh well well thanks i think uh actually i think mike's probably the 
the guy to really talk to about this because he's the one who originally put it together. Well, what we what we ended up doing at the Origins Game Fair is that we uh, set up a program called the Library because we wanted to be bringing authors in and uh, having them uh, able to teach classes about writing, uh, which is something that uh, I've done at Gen Con for many years and that uh, uh, Aaron Olson and I uh, have had a long-running program at Dragon Con doing um, and found those to be really well attended. And it's something that when you've been blown out of the game tournament, uh, you can come and do, and, and it just enhances your experience. And uh, the executive director of the Game Manufacturers Association, John Ward, got the idea that uh, every author that we invited into the library program to be to attend the convention, uh, one of the conditions of their showing up would be that they would give us a story for an anthology that was tied to a particular to the convention theme of that year. Great idea. First year. Yeah, it, it, it really, what we end up doing is we put it together and, and we publish it in a very limited edition uh, and, and we make it available as a souvenir for the, for the attendees. Um, the first year we did this with an anthology called Time Travel Tales, which then we turned around and, and Ron could talk a little bit about the, the publishing aspect of it and what we were looking at getting for the authors. Yeah, so so we uh, we took the we took that anthology that that Origins put together, um, and you know it was not it was a nice anthology. It was a really great anthology, great stories, um, but very limited, uh, very limited distribution. Right? I mean, they only printed enough to uh, to be to be sold here at the at the Origins Game Fair, and uh, and we, we you know we looked at it and we said, well, we can do a couple of things with this. First, we can we can take it. We can get it distributed to a wider audience because it's such a great anthology that you know it really needs to be seen by more people. And then we can then we can then do some other things with it that you can't really do with a, a limited edition uh, anthology for uh, for a uh, a convention, right? I mean, when you're printing those things, you're not gonna you're not gonna have artwork in it, right? Because you're not gonna be able to pay an artist to produce uh, illustrations for each story. And, and you know, so we, we were able to, to do that. We took it, we got Max Lay to, to, do, the, uh, to do illustrations for each story in Time Travel Tales. We set up a Kickstarter for it, and we set up stretch goals such that when we hit different levels, they actually added new authors to the, uh, to the mix, right? So we, we added uh, Aaron Rosenberg and, and, and just a whole bunch of other authors, uh, new, new authors that, that you know, people may not know yet and well-established authors that, that are favorites. And, uh, and so we kind of expanded, we greatly expanded the length of that. And, and additionally, Mike and Tim and Aaron gave us uh, gave us second stories for it. So they each have two stories in the Time Travel Tales one. So we uh, so we did that with Time Travel Tales, and it was a huge success, right? I mean, it, it, Time Travel Tales on the Kickstarter wound up earning uh, $28,000, and uh, which, you know, it, it was, was great. We, we, were, we needed uh, 7500 to make it, to, to actually produce it. Uh, so that 28000 allowed us to just do a lot of extra really cool things with it. And, we're, we're we're continuing that model with the, the Heroes anthology. Heroes was the was the Orton Game Fair anthology for this, for last year. Right, and and the real cool thing about the model from the author's point of view is it's a profit sharing model. Uh, so that we're actually all making a, you know when when we have a successful Kickstarter project, it's not as it would with traditional publishers, ninety percent of it going to the publisher and ten percent of it be split up amongst the authors. This is, once we get expenses done, this is a true profit-sharing uh, enterprise with one portion of the profits going to a charity. Right. So that, you know, we're both trying to give back with the project and we're making sure that writers are getting a decent, uh, a decent wage. Yeah. So, so the, the silence in the library, actually, on this and, and uh, other anthologies that we do, so anthologies for silence in the library are not a big money maker, Right. We just we, we're not in this to to make money. We're we're in the business to make money, but we're not in the anthology side of it to make money. We're in the anthology side of it because we want to get great stories out there, and we want to see authors continue to write. We want to 
want to continue to encourage authors to produce short fiction because we think it's an art form, right? I mean, it's a, it's a form of writing that's often ignored because the big publishers generally don't think they can make any money on it. Uh, so what we do is we take a share. Uh, so if there are any profits from a, from a, an anthology, Silence in the Library takes a share equal to what one author takes. So if you, you know, whereas in a traditional publishing situation, the publisher would get 50% or more of any profits from an from anthology sale. We get, you know, if there are 20, uh, 20 authors in, in, in Silence in the Library and charity, then we get one twenty-second of, of the profits just like any author would. Um, and and we like this model again, not because not because we're going to make a lot of money off of it, but but because it really allows us to showcase these authors. And and honestly, it's good business for us long term. I mean, it's the right thing to do. Uh, it's the equitable thing to do. But long term, it's good business to us because a lot of these authors have then come to us with other projects. Who are you know their individual projects, and so they have said, "Hey, we like your model. We want to work with you on our individual product projects, and we like the fact that you are so author centered." So now, Heroes is the anthology that we did in uh, 2013 for Origins. It's a collection of stories about heroes, predominantly superheroes. Um, you know, I took uh, characters uh, from the setting of my uh, uh, superhero novel in Hero Years Undead. And, and brought them into that book. Um, so we've got a lot of uh, Aaron Alton big characters out of the Strikeforce universe. We've got a lot of different authors that have contributed characters from projects that they've already worked on. Um, and as we do more stretch goals, we're bringing new stories out from uh, new authors that we have, and we're uncovering some gems. There was a uh, Alan Dean Foster had done a superhero story for an anthology many, many, many years ago. Uh, and when this project got together, I said to Ron, hey, do we want to get in touch with Alan? And, and he said, sure, I got in touch with Alan, you know, and so we hit the right stretch goal, Alan's story is going to be going, able to go into the book. So these collections, because of uh, crowdfunding and because of the stretch goal, get to grow and you get brand new material, and you also get these classic stories that would be, you know, utterly forgotten. Yeah, and, you know, you guys know from the last time that I was on here, um, I have a 14-year-old daughter. I have a wife, and one of the biggest, one of the one of the things that's most important to me as a publisher is that I want to see I want to see my daughter uh, be able to to see people in print and people who are writing who look like her. Right? I want her to I want her to have role models yeah. that are not. You know, I don't want her to look at publishing and go, Oh, okay, so writers are white males and heroes are white males, right? Um, so it, what we've tried to do in, in Heroes is we've tried to make it as diverse as possible. I mean, we've got heroes from all walks of life, from all uh, ethnic and, uh, you know, ethnic backgrounds, from, from all genders. We've got all, we've tried to get a great mix of male and female authors. We're, we're, we're trying to, what we're trying to do is to show people that whatever you look like, um, whatever, your, whatever your background is, you have a place in publishing, right? Not just as an author, but there are role models in the stories that look like you, that you can relate to, that tell you that that you know that you don't have to look a certain way and be a certain uh, you know a certain uh, sex or whatever or race or whatever to to be a superhero. That all of us can be heroes. So we again i mean and that that to me is the most important part of this project uh, i i love the stories um i i love them just for the, the for the stories themselves but more than that i i i took this project because i love the diversity and it's the kind of thing that i want to be putting out there it's the kind of legacy that i want my kids when they look at it you know 20 years down on the road to go hey my dad did this and my mom did this and they did this because they had a vision of what things should be like. Hey, Ron, talk to me for a minute about the the balancing act that you do between publishing and Kickstarter. You know, because you have 
a number of projects that are just Kickstarter funded and a number of regular publishing projects. How, how does that work for you guys? So we have, we tend to publish, um, we, a lot of the stuff that we tend to publish gets, gets kickstarted. Uh, a, a lot of the stuff that we publish tends to get kickstarted. Um, primarily, the, 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 the biggest focus for us on Kickstarter, of course, is the anthologies. And there's a reason that we choose to do it with the anthologies primarily on Kickstarter, and that is that, you know, Kickstarter is all about the network that you can bring to bear on the project. Um, each of us uh, as individuals has a network that we can pull on in our, in, in our daily lives, in our time of need, right? It's all the people that we know and contact on a regular basis, you know, that we're friends with, whether it's on Facebook or in person or whatever. That's your network. Um, unless, you're, unless you're a well-established author, with a with a huge fan following already, your network's not going to be that large. But what you do in an anthology is you bring together 20 authors who may have relatively small uh, networks, but those networks overlap only a little bit, right? So you increase the size of your your network dramatically. Uh, and so Kickstarter is kind of custom made from the publishing side for an anthology type of project. You know, I, I tell people all the time, don't think that you're going to go to Kickstarter and put and then, your book up on Kickstarter and people are just going to run to it because... What's that? Hello? I think... <laughs> you know, I think there. Dome dropped off, or he's got some lag going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Did you start to say it's other Dome? Hmm. Did oh. we lose Dome? Okay. Uh, well, uh, just just well, continue then. I, I think you were saying don't, don't if they build it, doesn't mean it'll come. Yeah, yeah. Basically, just because you build it doesn't mean they're going to come. If you kick There's a whole you can generally right. count on about twenty-five to thirty-five percent of your backers coming from the Kickstarter from the Kickstarter base. You can only count on so so everybody else that comes in is somebody that you brought to the project, right? So uh, so we look for projects that are going to have a wide enough base to make Kickstarter make sense. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So. So, and the projects that don't already have that wide that wide base, we're going to publish in a more traditional manner, and we're going to build that base uh, by getting the book at, books out there and in people's hands. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the way we make decisions about what goes on Kickstarter and what doesn't go on Kickstarter. No, I think don't we just lost the dome? No, the dome. <laughs> He wants to pick him up again. But... Don't come back. I'm back with any luck at all. Guys, when you're looking at that, that, do you automatically try to look at genres, or are you, or is it just falling in that, or is that you just enjoy that the genre, uh, um, the genre genre so much that you just rather would stay in something that you enjoy reading. Yeah, I'm, so I don't. We don't do projects based upon, um, you know, what we think is going to be like super popular, right? Like I, if, if I if if I'm going to do a project, um, then it's going to or or any any of the other members of Silence in the Library. If we're going to we're going to create a project, we're going to do it because it's something that a we really like and it entertains us. Or B, and or, and or B, uh, something that we really believe in. Like Athena's Daughters, right? I mean, we did Athena's Daughters because we thought it was something that needed to be done. I mean, the stories are entertaining. The stories are great. Um, the authors are amazing. Uh, the artwork is amazing. But that's not why we did the project. We did the project because it's a project that needed to be done. People need By the to way, understand. it's a phenomenal project. What's that? 
it's a phenomenal project, and I thoroughly enjoyed it completely. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I, it really came together well, and you know, that's, I mean, that is, none of that is me. That's all, uh, that's all Janice Finlove and, and Maggie Allen, who really just took that thing and ran with it and made it happen, and they just... I mean, they just knocked it out of the park with that. They came up with, and I'm not talking about, you know, how much money it made or whatever. I mean, it's great that it was so successful. Just talking about how great the book is. Absolutely. They just really phenomenal job. So, really happy with that. But yeah, anyway, so it's, I I mean, it's about, it's about what we think should be out there and about what entertains us. And then, you know, I mean, obviously there's going to be some factoring in there to go, okay, now do we think this is going to sell, right, at that point? And the, the, first, the first decision point for us is always, is this something that we want to publish? Is this mm-hmm. something that we like and that we think means something? And then the second decision point is, okay, we know we like it, we know it means something, but is there going to be an audience for it? Because, you know, the truth is we're not going to be in business long if we just – print stuff without thinking about whether there's an audience for it or not. Right. Well, this this new series of, of short stories, Heroes, sounds cool. Uh, I haven't met a project of yours at this point that I haven't liked, and I can't recommend this more highly. Uh, the, the number of people who are involved in it, Michael, uh, you know, I want to sit and talk about X-Wing, but... Uh, all right, all right. Let, let me just say let that. me just say this. One thing. Right. Five seconds. Right. When when Disney basically announced that they were canning the whole, like, line of Star Wars books, that's that's when I gave up, because a Star Wars universe without Corrin Horn is not a universe I want to play in. Well, I say that from the bottom uh, of my my like high school obsessed fangirl heart. <laughs> I, I I think that's great. I think I think the one thing to me that that's important in that realm is that you shouldn't give up hope because the the way that the statement came out of Disney, what they said was the filmmakers are not going to be bound by the expanded universe but that the expanded universe is a resource that they can mine. And I think that what that means is that young filmmakers who, you know, grew up reading uh, the X-Wing books and iJedi come to Lucasfilm, come to Disney and say, hey, I want to do a Game of Thrones for ABC, um, and we want to use the X-Wing books as our as our Bible. Lucasfilm's going to say rock and roll. I mean, you know, that's okay. <laughs> So there is, there is hope. Well, I want, hopefully, I want that's what I want to happen, but I just, I have no faith that that will happen. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're too. Well, you know, me and the mouth, we're good buds. So, yeah, we'll make it happen. <laughs> okay, well, make it happen, and then I will buy the ticket and the DVD. And Michael, I'll okay. watch it back to talk about your books and what you're doing and what's going on in the Michael Stackpole universe. I want to thank Mike Stackpole and Ron Garner for joining us tonight on what has to be them looking out the doorway going, there's a party in the other room, and we'll get you to it very shortly. Brianna, what's happening in the next couple of weeks on Sci-Fi Saturday Night? You say after I close the tab accidentally. now it refuses to load. Well, next week we have something. The week after that we have, um, ah, now it's loaded. So next week we have Sarah Hensley. Next week we have... Sarah Hensley of the Mad Scientist Lab. Um, the week after that, on the 28th, we have Vlad Vaslin, author of The Button. It's a very innocuous title, very ominous name. I'm just pointing that out. Um, and on July 5th, Peter Vinton finally tells us all about his secret project of secrecy. Dead Redhead? Did we lose Dead Redhead? Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hello? Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Special podcast. Lots of Comic-Con. Reddit Con. PopCultureExpo.com. 
You know, you know, we worked all this out. We tried to make all the levels work, and Skype is a cruel mistress. Go to hell. Basically, <laughs> I want to yeah. thank our guests tonight for joining us. Uh, yeah. God Almighty. You know, you know, you try so hard. I want to thank Mike Stackpole and Ron Garner for joining us tonight. I want to thank our cast for uh, coming together under the most adverse of circumstances to make an absolutely flawless, absolutely flawless show for us. <laughs> From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, thank you, my darling. To all you amazing people out there, I'll see you next time. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you so much, Dead Redhead. It's still Tom Savini day for me. I think she's... This is Dome saying, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.